To be the best, you need to play with the best. You might not have your own personal high-level circle of women yet, but you can hang with us on The Female Millionaire Show. I'm Midori Verity, serial entrepreneur for over 25 years, and I interview badass female founders and cut through to what you really need to know. So in 20 minutes, you have what can take years to learn. If you're wanting to play bigger, come play with us. Join the female entrepreneur revolution today. Cheers. All right, ladies, you know you want to be famous, right? Or at least famous enough to get your business out there and bring some revenue in. That is why we have the most amazing woman with us today who jumped on last minute before vacation to be here with us. So we're so grateful. We are here with Barbie, Bobby Carlton. She is the founder of Innovation Women, which is a mission-driven online speaking platform. However, not only is she kind of a maverick in the speaking world, she also is a PR and marketing expert as well as doing so many other things. But the reason why I mention that is because it's the full, kind of the full story, right? We need to have all those components to really make our speaking career into something that is advantageous or that we, we are getting the most out of it. So join me in welcoming Bobby to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thanks. So Bobby, I want you to talk a little bit more about your journey. And, you know, I know you have a number of businesses. Um, you're cloning yourself just like I am, right? We're, we're working on that. Thank God for AI. Um, but give us a little bit more background into who Bobby Carlton is and and how you bring these different components of your different businesses together. All right. So the way that I usually explain this is I say, I have a day job. I run a PR and marketing firm that I started 15 years ago. 2008 was a time when a lot of businesses got started. Uh, my second company, The Night Job, is uh, Innovation Nights. It is a social media powered event that we ran for 11 years on a monthly basis. We launched over 1,500 new products that got more than $4 billion in funding. And we did that all by basically empowering the community with social media. The dream job is Innovation Women, which you already mentioned, and that is the dream of getting more women on stage at conferences and events because two-thirds of all conference speakers are men. That leaves women out of just absolutely amazing career and business opportunities. But wait, there's more. Uh, during the early days of the pandemic, I bought two more companies because I didn't have enough going on. Uh, I bought a research service for professional speakers called My Speaker Leads. And I bought a digital magazine for women entrepreneurs called Lioness. And obviously, you can see kind of that, that thread that runs through all of it. That thread is really about visibility and how visibility drives business opportunity. So thank you for setting me up perfectly for the next question. How do we optimize that? I, you know, I hear from a lot of my clients, Midori, I want to speak on stage. I want to do this, but without a plan behind, without a strategy behind it, it can be a lot of wasted time and quite frankly, money as well. So 
talk to us about how do we build that part of our business into our whole marketing equation. Absolutely. And obviously, as a marketing person, a lot of times it's my job to get executives on stage, you know, just to to go off on a tiny little tangent. For the first 20 years of my career, I was involved with big enterprise software companies, like public companies. And my job was to get executives on stage. And I will say for the first 20 years, I never had a female client to put on stage. So for the first I, ha- 20 I have years? 20 years. Ouch. Yeah. Uh, Mid 80s uh, up until 2005. That's when I really got my first female client that I was working with to get her on stage. So I have some work to do to make up for that. And that's one of the reasons that Innovation Women exists. But let's go back to your question. You know, as a PR and marketing person, a lot of the work that I did with getting executives on stage was to do things like drive thought leadership. And you don't just kind of vault up on stage and go, I am a thought leader. No, you actually have to build a foundation for that. And one of the reasons that there are more men than women on stage is a lot of conferences and events will look to executives. They will define a panel and say, you know, we want to put together a panel with Fortune 500 CEOs. Well, the number of women in that group is really small. So just by definition, when they create a panel like that or when they create a speaking slate like that, they are leaving out a lot of women. So part of what we need to do as people who are interested in public speaking is start thinking about what will be our foundation. You know, are we going to write a book? Are we going to host a podcast? Are we going to write articles? Or are we going to create a big social media presence? You don't just stand up and go, I'm a thought leader. You have to prove it. Okay, so... If we, let's say we already have our business, right? And we're, we've decided we are gifted at speaking and we want to use that as a vehicle to get our, get, build our brand and get our message out there. Do we, where do we start? You know, you talked about social media, you talked about doing a book. It, it can get overwhelming, right? There's so Absolutely. many things that we can do. How can we dial that back and get crystal clear on the next steps that we should be taking to build this in a smart, intelligent way. Absolutely. And like any good marketing program and public speaking is a marketing program, you want to start with what your goals are. So when I talk to people who are interested in speaking, I'm like, all right, let's 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 talk about what you want to accomplish. Is it you want to get in front of a lot of audiences? Do you want to get in front of big audiences? And everybody's like, yes. I'm like, eh, maybe, maybe not. So let's, you know, let's keep going here. You know, let's think about your goals in terms of who do you want to talk to? Who is your perfect audience? Are they people who would buy your product or are they people who would perhaps get you more speaking engagements? When we talk to speakers, one of the things that I will talk to speakers about is the reality of the public speaking world. Not a lot of speaking engagements are always paid. And so, you know, if you're thinking about public speaking, you need to think a lot about how you're going to get compensated for your time. 
You're going to think about how you are going to earn a living while you're speaking. You know, it might be that you're using public speaking to drive another business, or it could be that speaking itself is the business. So very different kinds of activities go into preparing someone who is interested in getting paid for every time they step on stage versus someone who has another business model. And that other business model involves them getting in front of good audiences for them. So okay. there's a lot that goes into that whole, let's figure out your goals and let's figure out how to kind of work through all of the different aspects of a speaking business model. Right. And so, you know, we we see people all the time when they have a book coming out, all of a sudden they want to be seen everywhere, right? So that's one one thing. But so many of these, especially now, it's so noisy. Social media is so noisy and just running ads falls flat. We need to build a relationship. That's the beauty of getting on stage, right? People get to sense you. They get to see you in action. Um, they get to really hear your message. And so there's a difference between a keynote speaker and then one who goes out for their business. Yes. So. I can, uh, it, it, it could, it can cross over. Yes. There's a lot of crossover. And I actually usually talk to people about the difference between the keynote and the person who is a breakout or is maybe doing panels, because a lot of times the people who are keynotes are people who are, are thought leaders, who are seen as thought leaders, whereas somebody who's doing a breakout may not be seen as a thought leader. They may be seen as an expert. Mm, and okay. so if you look at the difference in those two identities, a thought leader is the person who's up on stage, blows your mind. They're like, oh my goodness, I never thought of seeing the world in that way. They help you see the world differently. Meanwhile, somebody who's an expert they're going to give you tips and tricks and how-tos. They're going to show you how to do something that you might not have known how to do before, but it's not going to alter your view of the world. It's going to help you do your job better. And so if you look at the difference between thought leaders and experts, and often the thought leader is the keynote, what you're going to see is that if you are getting in front of audiences as an expert, you may be better positioned to sell your audience services and your consult yourself as a consultant. A thought leader may be kind of too far out of the audience's reach for them to think about hiring you. Oh, okay. So this is a super interesting. Because most of the people who I work with are, I guess, now I'm hearing you, they're more in the expert realm, right? However, I have seen these women who are experts get up and be seen as a keynote, but really what they want to do is sell their business services. Yeah. But the way that they're perceived is, you know, that they're way high, they're untouchable, right? Yep. So let's I, I tend to have more listeners and um and clients who are in the expert realm let's talk about that as you know how do how do we help these women create their presentations create their whole brand around 
building them up and being seen as someone who really knows their stuff, who you want to engage with. And they're compelling when they speak. We've seen those speakers who come up and you're like, oh my gosh, how much longer? <laughs> There's nothing worse, right? How much longer? Come on, let's speed it up. Um, I want to see the speakers who make me like run around looking for a pen and paper. Like that's the kind of speaker I want. And that's the speaker who's delivering takeaways. If you as a speaker can get your audience reaching for the pen and paper or pulling out the iPad so they can hastily scribble notes because they want to take home what you're what you're sharing with them then you've accomplished your mission as a speaker. So think in terms of takeaways, think in terms of the problems that you can solve. As a speaker, you have to be in service to your audience. And a lot of people, when they are starting to think about public speaking, they think about what is it that I offer? What is it that I do that's better than everybody else? What is it that I, 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 you know, this is one of those, there's no I in team. Well, there's also no I in expert. So you have to think about what that audience is looking for and what they need and what problem or pain you're going to solve. You be in service to the audience. Ah, you know, like that's often the missing equation. I usually tell people that when they are looking at creating a signature talk, you think about your area of expertise. You think about what you're passionate about because there is nothing worse than a boring speaker. You also have to think about what you want to be known for. So you've got that Venn diagram, those two circles, they're overlapping. What do you know? What are you passionate about? And then what do you want to be known for? And then you throw in the third circle. What is the audience's pain? What problem can you solve? And where you end up with an overlap in those three circles, that's gold. Okay, so no matter what the title of the presentation is, because obviously you're going to need to adapt it depending on what you're speaking, what group you're speaking to, yeah. you're going to evolve it around this Venn diagram in general. Yep. Fair enough? Fair okay. enough. And... When we're delivering, how do we how do we compel that audience? You know, you talked about you want them to get out their pen and paper, but if they're not listening to you, I don't care how great your presentation is, it doesn't matter. It's fallen flat. So how can we, what are some tips and tricks and secrets to get the audience to be leaning in and wanting more and Lining up to talk to you at the end where they're just like, oh my God, Bobby, I need a part of you. You are fantastic. Tell me more, right? How do we get there? I think for a lot of people, they have so much knowledge that they want to shove everything down the audience's throat. They want to tell them everything. And, you know, you get these speakers who are like, I'm going to tell you the entire history of AI. Oh, you know, like I, I get chills even thinking about it. I'm like, I don't need all the history. I need to know what I need to know to change my life and to change the life of the people and the audiences that I work with. So there's a great um, concept 
in storytelling that you want to start your story as close as possible to your end point. Okay. What they're saying when they say that is get rid of all the extraneous stuff and give me the meat of what it is you're telling me. Don't make me wade through all these crazy things. You know, the the speaker who gets up there and goes, I was four years old. I'm like, oh my God, how is this relevant? Seriously, I do not need your life story. And yes, people do identify with stories. They, they remember things better through story. But your life story and what you're helping people understand and this big concept, they're probably two different things. You know, if you're telling a story and it's more than two or three sentences long, you've probably lost a good portion of your audience. So having a short story, good. Having an umbrella concept like, so I have, I have an umbrella concept for one of the presentations that I do. I call it the speaker's paradise. And what I'm tr- trying to communicate is that there are so many opportunities in the speaking world. Last year, Eventbrite sold tickets to 4.6 million events. There are 50,000 individual TEDx uh, events. 60,000 individual TEDx talks, uh, 300,000 monthly meetups, 97,000 professional organizations in the U.S. alone, okay? Opportunity around every corner. Now, is the audience going to remember all those numbers I just spewed out? Probably not. Are they going to remember even the names of the different categories of things? Probably not. But when I say speaker's paradise, they go, ooh, opportunity for me as a speaker. So what I've done is I have put an umbrella over all of the things that I want to say, and I've consolidated it into a nice, neat package. You as a speaker have to create packages. Okay, so when you say a package... Are you talking about kind of a media kit where you have your topic? And oh, your that's pictures? a whole other thing. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> I I want I want to be up on stage delivering a gift to you as the audience. I, I want to have an idea that you can glom onto and run away with. I want to have takeaways that you're writing down frantically so you can take it back to your team and say. I have this idea. We're going to do this amazing thing. I learned about it in a presentation. Like you want to package that up in a nice, neat form. What you are just mentioning is things like the speaker one sheet. So a speakers will have basic tools that they are going to create that they can give to event manager. One of the basic ones is called the speaker one sheet. It's one sheet where you have all of your information as a speaker biography, speech abstracts, pictures of you in person, like all of that's going to be in a nice, neat one package. So two different concepts. Yep. Okay. I got it. I want to go back to one thing that you said a minute ago, because I think it's really critical. You said you want to, and I'm going to butcher it. So just stay with me. (laughs) 
You talked about your opening needs to be as close to the ending as possible. Mm. Can you give me an example? So picture every presentation like a journey. Okay. You've probably seen storytelling um, concepts where you have a beginning, you have a problem statement, you look at all of the different options for solving your problem. You then have a climax at the top. Like this is basic storytelling 101. Then you get to your conclusion. One of the problems with a lot of stories is they take too long to get to the point where people are interested in what that conclusion is. And a lot of times the less experienced speakers, they tell very long involved stories. They leave in a level of detail that you just don't need to get to the point. So if you think about any presentation, any story as a journey, get yourself as close as possible to the solution, but still maintain that story arc. I get see. rid of the extra stuff that nobody really cares about except you. If you're up there on stage for yourself, you're not acting in service to the audience. And a lot of speakers, I think, especially if you look at industry trade shows and conferences, they're up there for what they get out of it. It's satisfying to tell your life story. You know, who doesn't love it when a whole room full of people are listening to you, right? But if that audience starts to kind of run away and, oh, just look at the time and, let me find my phone and do my email. You've lost them. You've mm -hmm. lost the opportunity and you're not helping the audience. Okay. So now we know about the story arc. Give us a couple little tips that we can put in our pocket of how we grab that attention. How do we keep their attention? You keep on talking about stories and I think stories are incredibly impactful and important. Can you tell us how we can weave that in to make a point? So as a speaker, there are so many different tips and techniques and just helpful things that I can tell you, but there's absolutely nothing that will replace practice. Being on stage getting comfortable on stage, seeing what an audience reacts to, that's my number one piece of advice. You don't have to start with the gigantic audiences. You don't have to start basically at the top. And frankly, you're probably not going to start at the top. You're going to start with smaller audiences, more targeted audiences sometimes. And you're going to practice before you ever get to stage. You're going to tell your presentation to your family, your friends, your dog. You're going to keep practicing. So that's probably my number one tip. The more you practice and the more you get on stage. Um, I saw a uh, an article at one point that said that most people that do any sort of public speaking professionally 
have probably in their careers done hundreds of presentations. There is no overnight successes in public speaking. It takes a lot of give and take and how long do I pause before before I start up again if the audience is laughing. Um, I did a presentation for International Women's Day in March, and it was the first time since the pandemic that I'd been in front of a live audience. And I had seven minutes to give this presentation. The previous people who had gone before me had all gone long, like really long. One had gone, I think, almost 15 minutes. Another person started winding down around 11 minutes and the producer's looking at me and I said, don't worry, I will be on time. I have timed this. And I went over by a minute because I had forgotten what it's it's like in front of a live audience. I had absolutely forgotten that when an audience laughs, I have to stop and pause and let them finish before I can go on. So, you know, like that's the type of thing that when you do a lot of presenting, you remember, you recall, you build that in. You know, there's another like tiny little tidbit. And by the way, I have like reams of tiny little tidbits. One of the things that I think a lot of less experienced speakers have trouble with is that first getting started, right? They come on stage, they introduce themselves. Hi, my name is. And a lot of times they've already been introduced by somebody off stage. You know, like there's a person on stage who reads their bio and introduces them. Then they walk on stage and they introduce themselves all over again. And at that point, they've kind of lost a whole bunch of momentum. When you come on stage, that's when the audience is most excited about you. Like they don't know anything. They're waiting to see. There's that level of anticipation that you can capitalize on. And that's when you launch into the middle of something. It's like that's if you've ever seen a professional speaker, like somebody who's really good at what they do, they always start their stories in the middle, like closer to the solution. Going back to that, mm -hmm. like, you know, if they're a mountain climber, they're hanging off the cliff and they've lost their rope and they've got an ice pick jammed in. Like, it's exciting. It's so exciting. Like, that's what you want to do right off the bat. You can introduce yourself later on, mm -hmm. or you can just ride off the fact that somebody else introduced you. So, Think about how you can capitalize on that audience interest and momentum right off the bat and capture them. You also need to think about how you get yourself like all amped up and ready to go. You know, it's like you've got to talk about things that get you excited too. You don't want to talk about boring things. Nobody wants to talk about boring things. Nobody wants to listen to boring things. Like if you're bored with your presentation, that audience is going to be 10 times as bored as you are. Definitely. And I think when you can nail the opening, it just kind of eases the, the, it just helps you get into that mode and you just keep on going, right? It's, I think that's the hardest part 
And full disclosure for all of you listening to this who've been watching me for a while or, or been you know playing with, with me in my sandbox, I was paranoid to get up and speak. Paranoid to the point where I would get up on the stage and forget everything. You too, Bobby? Oh, yeah. When I started my second company, Innovation Nights, it's an events company. And the first night... I don't know what I was thinking. I mean, you know, it's been my job to get other people on stage for most of my career. And that first night, I sweated through my blouse. Thank God I was wearing a jacket over it. But this is a social media powered event. Okay. Everybody's got their phones out and they're taking pictures and there's video of you know who looking like a hot mess. I just absolutely like dripped that night if you've ever seen broadcast news where they're like bringing out a bigger towel because albert brooks is just like sweating everywhere that was me and you know your body betrays you the minute you're nervous and you allow yourself to kind of slide into that nervousness it's kind of all over so you know that's where the practice comes in that's where Knowing what you're going to say helps out a tremendous amount. The minute you don't know your material, that little flutter like gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And pretty soon it's a stutter and it's, you know, the, the sick to my stomach. It's it's not a great scene. So you yeah. need to really be practiced and you have to know your stuff. I mean, there's so many things that can go wrong, right? The Your your PowerPoint doesn't work. Or, uh, you know, a dog runs in and jumps on the stage and practically knocks you over. You know, there's so many things that can so happen. <laughs> and so you're right. Just the practice, 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 and starting on small stages. Toastmasters is a great place to practice. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. A lot of people talk about Toastmasters. I tend to actually recommend improv classes. Oh, yeah. Because I feel like Im uh, improv gives you the tools to get comfortable on stage. It gives you the tools to kind of think creatively. One of the things that a lot of speakers get very nervous about is Q&A sessions. They're like, I don't know what that audience is going to ask. Oh, my gosh. You know, like, I know my presentation, but what is the audience going to bring up? Maybe they're going to ask hard questions or maybe they're going to ask something I don't know. Improv gives you a way to handle that. So I always recommend improv classes. Toastmasters is great. Gives you a lot of opportunity to practice. One little downside of, of uh, Toastmasters is often there's a lot of focus on filler words and if you become hyper aware of the filler words that you use, sometimes that kind of snowballs and it will create less of the impact that you want because you become so aware of it that you just can't get out of your own way. Oh, interesting. So if you tend to say things like, so... And that's, that's you know, me. right? And then you're like, oh gosh, I said it again. <laughs> Darn it. I said I wasn't going to say so. So <laughs> yeah, I can see where that would be. And improv, oh my gosh, improv is, it's so much fun to watch. 
Um, but and so much boy, fun to do. Skill. <laughs> it's a, I tried it, Bobby. I've tried improv and I felt like the biggest rookie. I was the biggest rookie. I for sure was the worst one in the room. Um, but I need to go back and do it. And I think that that's a fantastic suggestion. Okay. I, I think it's a great thing for anybody who's thinking about public speaking, find an improv class, take it. It's fun and you'll learn stuff. And you laugh. I think that's kind of the biggest part of it, right? Just getting up and having fun and just being okay with it. All right. So now we know pretty much kind of the, the, the nuts and bolts of how to get on stage, how to position ourselves. Um, what else should we know? What are we missing here? That's kind of one of the keys to being successful with a speaking career. So one of the things, and I'm going to now say so all the time. Uh, one of the things that I think people need to understand is how the whole speaking world kind of works. One of the basic pieces of currency in public speaking is the call for speakers. I have been at so many events where I'm sitting in the audience with a group of my friends. We're looking at what we call the mail pail and stale panels up in front of us. Almost always somebody says, how are they up there and we're sitting in the audience and we know so much more about this topic than they do? How does that happen? And I'm like, well, the organization that is putting on this event issues a call for speakers and those are the people who went and applied. That is how you often will get on stage. You have to apply. Most annual conferences We'll start almost immediately after the previous conference looking for new speakers. They will say, this is our theme. These are the sessions. These are the tracks. This is what we're looking for. Apply here. Often, by the time they are starting to market the event, they've already got their speakers chosen. That's when I think a lot of people who aren't as savvy, start looking at an event and they're like, well, they've got all these guys up there. Why, why are there not more women up there? Well, there are not more women up there because they are not applying. So get into the mode of looking at each event. Soon as it's done, do they have a call for speakers for the next one? Make sure you're on the newsletter for the organization that's the parent organization Reach out and say, when you are announcing your call for speakers, can I be on the list? Make sure that you're applying to speak, not just sitting in the audience. Now, what are some ways that you can build a relationship and or improve your odds of getting on stage, right? Because we know that there's certain people who we've seen a bunch of times. Yeah. They're just known, right? We call that being on the circuit. Being on, so if you're not on the circuit yet, how do you get on that on that train? Oh, I love this question. <laughs> so one of the things that you want to do is you want to be a part of that community. You want to attend the event. You want to be a member of the audience when there are topics that you're an expert in and you want to ask a question. Now, Asking a question, that's a whole art form. But think of it this way. You've got a presentation that's just happened. 
the speaker's done and they say, are there any questions? How often have you been at a conference when there's crickets, when that happens, right? Nobody's asking a question and the poor person on stage is like, oh, well, I guess I'm done. Okay, bye. And they run away. So if you're savvy, that's the point where you stand up and you've got a good question. You're going to introduce yourself. Hi, my name is Bobby Carlton. I'm the founder of Innovation Women. One of the reasons that I'm here today is to talk about public speaking. But the question I have for you, Mr. Person on stage, is blah, 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 blah. You're asking an intelligent, well-thought-out question. You are demonstrating that you have knowledge to share as well. Often there's somebody in the back of the room with a clipboard. Maybe not a clipboard. Maybe it's an iPad, whatever. Often that is a person who is booking speakers. They're organizing conferences and events. They're running the event. You can often like just spot them a mile away if you know what you're looking for. After you've asked a question, you go and find that person in the back of the room. Are you one of the conference organizers? Yeah, I am. That's the point where you introduce yourself and you're like, you know what? This is great. This is a terrific conference. I love this. But here's an idea for you for next year. I would love to be speaking on that stage. Like you're starting to establish a relationship. So that's one way. Another way is to always be the go-to person for that topic, right? When you are an expert, you often are an expert in many, many things. You need to really narrow your focus and say, this is my area of expertise. A lot of people get very nervous about that. They're like, well, I'm giving up all these different opportunities. No, you're focusing. Uh, I think it was about five years ago, I got a call one day from Suffolk University. They were doing a TEDx. And they wanted me to be a part of their TEDx. And I've never applied or anything like that. But of course, as a speaker, you're like, oh, you know, TEDx, that's the dream. You know, so exciting. Of course. When is it? Tuesday. Oh, heck no. Like, you don't do a TEDx in four days. So I went off and I found them a whole bunch of other speakers and I'm like, here, here's people that are interested in slash foolish enough to want to do a TEDx with four days notice. And they said, we don't want any of them. We want you because our theme is innovation. And that's you. And that's because I focused on something. You know, if I was off talking about PR and marketing and social media and all of these other things that I could talk about. I would have never gotten that name and that identity strong enough to be selected and to be sought out for it. So there's applying and then there's being invited. And one of the problems for women is often we turn down those opportunities. I know it's crazy. But women are more likely to work for smaller companies. We're more likely to work part-time. We're still more likely to be responsible for kids at home. And that makes it kind of hard to take 
three days to go to a conference and speak. So part of my mission is to get women to say yes every time they're asked. Just say yes, and we'll figure out the details later, okay? So make me a promise. When they ask, say yes. And then figure it out from there. I, and, and you will. You will yeah. figure it out. You will have friends. Come to Innovation Women. Like, literally, we have a saying at Innovation Women. Speakers need speaker friends. We actually have a Zoom call every Friday morning. Speaker friends. And it's just a terrific community who help each other. One of the things about speaking is there's a lot of black box and deep, dark secrets and people going, yeah, I'll teach you how to do that. It'll be $23,000. Speaker friends share information with each other. And I think everybody who is interested in speaking Get your gang together of people who are peers or near peers about public speaking and help each other get over whatever hurdles you've got to get over. I love that. I'm all about lifting each other up and, you know, creating those communities of like-minded people who are trying to do the same thing and optimizing it for each other. Bobby, I wish that we could talk for a whole nother two hours because there's so, I feel like we've only scratched the surface. There's so much more and almost like there needs to be a, a part one, two, three, right? Where we go in deeper and deeper because we haven't talked too much even about the marketing, but where can we go to find out more about your gazillion businesses and, and know where we should, where we should start on, on this journey? Yep. You can find me at innovationwomen.com. Easy enough. Thank you so much for all this wisdom that you've shared and and really helping women see that we can do this. We should do this. We can do this. And I want all of you who are listening to say, I will do this. So thank you again, Bobby. (laughs) Thank you. Take care.